The following episode contains recreated scenes based on FBI investigative reports, wiretaps, and suspect interviews. This episode also contains recordings of telephone conversations between an undercover informant and his FBI handler. Cairo, October 6, 1981. It's Armed Forces Day, a national holiday in Egypt, celebrating its military gains in the Yom Kippur War. Egypt's president, Anwar Sadat, arrives, standing in the open hatch of a tank. He's won the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering a treaty with Israel. He takes his seat on the grandstand. Also there that day is someone you might remember, Ahmad Salem. Here, Ahmad is 31 years old, an army colonel directing his troops to secure the perimeter as the parade begins. Soldiers dressed in white goose-step past the grandstand. American convertibles draped with Egyptian flags blare their horns. And French Mirage jets scream overhead. Then, an armored truck pulls up. A lieutenant jumps out. He walks towards Sadat. The president stands to salute as the lieutenant pulls a grenade from under his helmet and lobs it toward the grandstand. Men with automatic rifles pour from the back of the armored truck. Ahmad hears the explosion and gunfire. Through the static on his military radio, he gets the news. His president has been killed. Within weeks, hundreds of men are arrested. Inside a courtroom in Cairo, dozens are crammed into a holding cell. They make room for one man, though. He's older, with a long gray beard and a milky cast over his eyes. An imam who preaches to his followers that it's permissible to kill a leader, such as Sadat, who does not do as God orders. He's someone else you might remember. Dr. Omar Abdel Rahman, the blind sheikh. I'm Mark Smerling, and you're listening to Operation Trade Bomb, an Apple original podcast produced by Truth Media in partnership with Brillstein Entertainment Partners. Fear is another weapon that's used against you, and that's what terrorists are all about. And my beeper was going off, uh, was Louie. And it was like 911, 911, 911 after his number. So I called, and Louie says, Come in, it's ours. The people that were at the uh, firearms range, this is Kabulima, Salome, the whole caboodle. It was a rider van, came back that it was rented in Jersey City, and it was rented by Mohammed Salome. FBI agents arrested Salami about a block away. I remember. Mary Jo White from the Southern District asking questions like, didn't we have a source in there? And she says to us, I don't give a fuck what she wants. Just get him back.
once Mohammed Salome decided to go back to New Jersey to get his security deposit on the Ryder truck that was used to carry the explosives that blew up the Trade Center, it was clear that this was an attack by radical Muslims against a target in New York City. This is attorney Ron Kuby. You might remember him from episode three. He won an acquittal for Elside Nocer in the assassination of a radical rabbi. After that, he became an advisor to Muslim community leaders in the metropolitan area. A lot of these folks had come from police states. So when anybody with a badge or a gun came to their door, their first thought was, you know, their children are going to be tortured. Well, the FBI continues searching other locations tonight in the hunt for more suspects. Sources have told News 4 the first man arrested this afternoon has links to a mosque in New Jersey. Islamic terrorists are also followers of blind preacher Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, who worship with the World Trade Center suspects. Some of his followers are angered by the implication of involvement. There's no evidence or proof that anyone of them have been convicted of those people. And just don't attack Islam. You guys are attacking Islam and Muslims. There is no such a thing called Muslim fundamentalists, okay? I remember talking to members of the Muslim community, and we'd show up at mosques. One day, I met a very nice guy, um, a Sudanese cab driver, Sadiq Ibrahim Sadiq Ali. Um, Sadiq, by the way, apparently means truthful in Arabic. So he's Sadiq Ibrahim Sadiq Ali, twice as truthful as your average Sadiq. He was the interpreter for Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, and Sadiq would take me to different mosques to talk about what their rights were with respect to the FBI and interrogations and things like that. A fundamentalist Egyptian cleric insisted today that he had nothing to do with the bombing of the World Trade Center in New York. CNN's Charles Feldman has more on the cleric's interview with CNN. The blind cleric, Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, says neither he, nor his mosque, nor his religion would tolerate terrorism. This is a false accusation that these people who bombed the World Trade Center, they are my followers. These are false accusations. But this man, Mahmoud Abu Halima, now considered a suspect, is said to be close to the Sheikh. Reportedly, he was once the Sheikh's personal driver. I don't have a car, so that how come he drive a car that I don't have? Sitting at home, watching the blind Sheikh being interviewed on CNN, was the FBI's undercover operative, Ahmad Salem. Ahmad knew Dr. Omar Abdel Rahman from Egypt. He knew that Rahman had been acquitted in the conspiracy to assassinate President Anwar Sadat. But the Egyptian government continued to pursue Rahman. He arrived in New York not long after Ahmad. Now, Ahmad suspected that the blind Sheikh had something to do with the bombing of the World Trade Center. So he called his FBI handler from New York's Joint Terrorism Task Force, Agent John Anisev. I see Dr. Rahman, who's coming on TV when they interviewed him on the CNN. He is such a liar, it's unbelievable. I know from the bottom of my heart that he is lying. Look at that ridiculous contradiction. He said that Islam said that you should not destroy buildings or people, and I condemn bombing the World Trade Center. And uh, it's confusing. It is confusing, and it's killing me. 
Anisev and his partner, Detective Louis Napoli, wanted Ahmad to get close to the blind sheikh. They'd been listening to the tapes of the imam's fiery preachings. When he says something that he says is in the Quran or the way he interprets it to be in the Quran, it's law to conduct uh, bombings, robberies, shootings, whatever the hell they want to do. So now we started looking into Rockman. Did Rockman, you know, instigate this thing? Ahmad wants to know then, how's he going to get back to the sheikh? The sheikh's apartment is under siege by the media. So that was a good segue for Ahmad to go back. So Ahmad said, I'm going to go to the apartment where the sheikh lives. So Ahmad started pushing people out of the way kind of thing. I'm the, you know, I'm here to save you. And Ahmad came back and said, uh, you know, I'm back, sheikh. Uh, I saw what happened. We're being attacked for, for no reason. You didn't do anything. Uh, I'm here to be of service to you. Can I come back? I'm trying to be close to him and in the same time see if there is activity going on. Within the first week or two, after being around the sheikh and being at his apartment, is when he met um, a guy, Sadiq Ali. Sadiq Ali uh, runs into him and says, uh, "Listen, you, uh, you know, you, you dealt with explosives, right? We have another series of bombs that we want to do. Would you like to to help us? We're looking for somebody to help us." And the man said, "I'm in. What do you need me to do?" Well, we'd like you to make the bomb. So Ahmad said, of course, I'm, I'm here to help. So I shopped around to get him a place to, uh, to make the bomb factory. So that's when we gave him the place that we had out in Queens. Think of a, like a small garage, and inside there were video cameras that you can see all the four corners of the garage. And... Throughout the, the garage are hidden microphones, basically. So you can document everything that's happening in the garage. The lease was taken over by Ahmad. And Ahmad brought the, the lease to Sadiq and said, I got a good place in Queens that we can use to make the bomb. It's got everything we need there. And Sadiq said, sure. Sadiq said, we want to make four or five bombs, the same type that that took out the World Trade Center, but we want to make five and go off simultaneously around the city. He wants to blow up the bridges, the tunnels. The Lincoln Tunnel, the Holland Tunnel, the FBI office, the UN. Sadiq had contacts within the Sudanese Council in New York City. Ahmad meets these two other Sudanese gentlemen working with um, Sadiq Ali. Those two guys are Sudanese intelligence officers. And when they were going to do the UN, the Sudanese IOs offered to give Ahmad and Sadiq a parking pass to go into the basement underneath the UN to, to plant the bomb. Again, crazy stuff, you know.
We have all the conspirators red-handed on film, actually mixing the chemicals, participating in it. Uh, Sadiq Ali talking on the phone about getting the chemicals, going on uh, on reconnaissances. Matter of fact, uh, this, uh, we have Sadiq Ali on video with Imad going through the Holland Tunnel. And uh, Imad said, Since we have talked, I started to get the time. And Sadiq said, In the name of God, the merciful, we built this hadrata. We have this button on it. So, where do you want to place the hadrata? In the right lane, the, the closest to the water. Then you will tell it to sing? <laughs> and you can hear him, Sadiq Ali says, I can just see it now, the water gushing through the tunnels, the cars. He was all for total destruction. It's like something out of a movie to me, like that Imad got involved in the second plot so quickly. And also I was scared in a way saying, how big is this problem in the United States? You know, is my guy the only guy that's hit two cells? Are there hundreds like this? I mean, it was like, it's happening too fast. So we have enough evidence on this cell. But then how do we get the blind shake? It's a little more difficult. We tell him, oh, listen, what we want you to do is, we want you to go to Sadiq first, and you tell Sadiq, listen, the blind shake is already dealing with the, the First World Trade Center, so let's see what he thinks about it if he give us his blessing. See if the blind shake would give a fatwa, you know, or a religious blessing on it. So Sadiq said, yeah, that's a good idea. It's really getting very complicated now. It was like very intense, you know, working with Ahmad every day, every day. That's shit, and that's very dangerous. I mean it, I'm not joking. You think that I'm joking? I am a nervous wreck. I know, you are a nervous wreck, and I'm very upset too. He was getting very afraid, trying to keep him focused. He, sometimes he would call, he was so nervous, you know almost like crying sometimes. Hello? 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 John? Yes? I'm sorry, did I wake you up? Oh, no, Amar, how are you? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there is uh, something important I would like you to know about it. Sure. There is a threatening fax came from the uh, Mujahideen group in Egypt. They're threatening if something happened to Dr. Rahman, you know, something terrible was going to happen. So while he says, I still have family in Egypt, and these people are very dangerous. He knew what this group was involved in Egypt. He knew that they were, uh, they were vicious. I'm working on translating it now. Uh, Dr. Rahman never was and will never be a slaughtered lamb. And God supporting us. And it signed the Islamic group in Egypt. They, they are controlled by Dr. Rahman here. I do not, I do not want to lose you. It's too important. It just get it done right. It's not gonna done by screwing my life up. 
because to protect the country, it's not necessary to screw my life up. We are smarter than that. Iman, you are, in my opinion, yes. the best friggin' co-worker of mine. Thank you. you. Thank you. That I've ever had, or I probably will ever have. Thank you. You, you are intelligent. You think on your feet. You know what you're doing. Nobody haven't seen you in action like I, like I've seen you. Okay. Thank you. As pressure mounts on Ahmad Salem, the blind sheikh calls. The sheikh suspects an informant has penetrated his inner circle. But he's not calling to accuse Ahmad. Instead, he asks Ahmad to sweep his home for bugs. Ahmad sees an opportunity. He picks up a device from a spy shop, a little gadget that emits a high-pitched warble when a button is pressed. He also has a briefcase that hides a tape recorder and a microphone. Mod slips the tape in the recorder and heads for the Sheikh's home on Foster Avenue in Brooklyn. Ahmad walks the Sheikh through his apartment, holding the blind Imam's left arm. Room by room, Ahmad presses the button on his gadget, signaling for the Sheikh the presence of a bug. But when the two enter the kitchen, Mott tells the Sheikh that this is the only room in the apartment that isn't wired. It's safe to talk. He moves the briefcase close to the blind Sheikh's mouth and presses record. Mott asks the Sheikh about bombing the United Nations. Sheikh, we are preparing for something big. Something big, if God is willing. That will bring it upside down. So, is this considered licit or illicit? And the Sheikh says, it's permissible. But it would put Muslims in a bad light because the United Nations is considered a house of peace. It is not illicit. However, it will be bad for Muslims. It will harm them deeply. Do we do it? Or not? No, 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 no. Ninsia? Forget it? Find a plan to inflict damage on the American army. Find a better target and inflict damage on the American army. And Ahmad was able to record that from the blind sheikh. And he ran to 26 Federal Plaza that day. We met him then. He had the tape. He was happy. And we listened to it and went like that. We got it. I want to say it started around March, March, April of 93. And we took it down in June. We're going to try to get as many people in the warehouse as possible. And that night, we're, uh, we're sitting in a, um, you know, Bishop Malloy's parking lot out in Queens, which is maybe about a half a mile away from the factory. The SWAT team went in. They knocked the door down, opened up the gate, threw people up against the wall. Mod was the first guy they saw. Uh, the first SWAT guy through didn't even know really who Ahmad was in that 
crowd and he had a ballistic shield and he popped he popped Ahmad right in the head with the ballistic shield. Ahmad went down because he thought he was going to get hurt, rightfully so. Uh, they cuffed him, they flex cuffed everybody there. Me and Louie went in right after. We picked up Ahmad and we put him in the car. Ahmad was so upset and so relieved that he started to hyperventilate and he couldn't catch his breath. And I thought he was going to die. I thought he was going to go into cardiac arrest. And we rushed him right to the hospital. He stayed there all night. We stayed right next to him in the emergency room all night. The informant agreed to infiltrate an alleged terror cell. We're told at times he was petrified. The Sheikh denies connection to any bombing plot, saying he doesn't even know those arrested, except for one, Sadiq Ali, the alleged ringleader, whom Sheikh Omar says was his translator. For two days, federal agents staked out this neighborhood waiting for the Sheikh to surrender. At one point Thursday night, a man disguised as the Sheikh with his trademark red and white hat jumped in a van and tried to drive away. Federal agents rushed to a car with their guns drawn, only to find out the man was an imposter. Finally, after a midday prayer and several hours of negotiation, the Sheikh turned himself in. up one morning and discovered that Sadiq Ali, the very nice Sudanese English-speaking cab driver that I knew, uh, was indicted on this massive conspiracy that we quickly called it the plot to destroy all life on earth. Because it was one of these things that was so utterly ridiculous, but it served as a good way to roll up everybody into one giant conspiracy case. And what they did was they cooked up this giant plot with their own informer, Ahmad Salem, supplying every conceivable thing. And then when it's all on camera, swoop in, arrest everybody, indict everybody, and make everyone feel safe. This was the conversation that did Sheikh Omar in. Sheikh, we are preparing for something big. Something big, if God is willing. That will bring it upside down. You know, Ahmad Salim goes to him and basically says, you know, is it halal or haram to, you know, attack the United Nations? Is this considered licit or illicit? And Sheikh Omar said, under Islam, it would be permitted because they represent a force for evil in the world. But don't do it because it would make it look like Muslims are against peace. It is not illicit. However, it will be bad for Muslims. It will harm them deeply. To me, it sounded very much like 
like the dilemma that so many people who deal with extremists have. When you're faced with people who are very militant in your group. Namina, do we do it or not? No, 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 no. Nincia, forget it? And the sheikh says, no, no, don't do it. Think of a military target. Find a plan to inflict damage on the American army. The government read that to mean this is Sheikh Omar giving orders to his subordinates about targets to, to hit. Ultimately, he was convicted on the basis of, of the flimsiest of evidence that, that no white American having that conversation would be convicted of. I was always convinced that he was arrested for, for political speech. There could have been, you know, 10,000 people killed that day, shut down operations in New York City. So we were very happy, you know, with that. And, you know, going out for drinks afterwards and celebrating and, and stuff like that. The blind sheikh was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. But there was one more bombing conspirator who needed to be found. A worldwide hunt is on today for a sixth suspect in the Twin Towers bombing, 25-year-old Ramzi Ahmed Youssef. Authorities say Youssef is the last member of the local group of conspirators. Next time on Operation Trade Bomb, the search for the mastermind of the World Trade Center bombing goes global. On December 11, 1994, I'm aboard Philippine Airlines Flight 434, bound for Tokyo, Japan. The bomb detonated while the aircraft was in flight. Suddenly, the aircraft jerked, and you could smell smoke and flesh. The Filipinos have a guy in jail. They're saying he's Ramsey Yosef. Operation Trade Bomb is an Apple original podcast produced by Truth Media in partnership with Brillstein Entertainment Partners. Zach Goldbaum is our senior producer. This episode of Operation Trade Bomb was produced by Kenny Kusiak, Alexa Burke, Michael May, Meher Ahmad, and Alessandro Santoro. Story editing is by me, Mark Smerling. John Liebman is our executive producer. Scott Curtis is our production manager. Bridget Busa is our associate producer. Sound design is by Kenny Kusiak with help from Alexa Burke and Alessandro Santoro. George Draping Hicks did the mix. Music by Kenny Kusiak. Our title track is Momentum by Kenny Kusiak. Voice acting by Ahmed Samir Hefni, Ali Al-Faraj, and Brody El-Ashi. Production legal by Ryan Nord and Matthew Papa at the Nord Group. Legal review by Linda Steinman, Abigail Everdell, and Alison Cherie at Davis Wright Tremaine. Fact-checking by Dania Suleiman. The production would like to thank Nuham Musla, Amr Latif, Ruhan Ahmed, Latisha Naidu, Ahmed Fateha, Hiba Afifi, Juan Bernardo Custodio, and Evan Pishan. Please listen and follow on Apple Podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to write a review. Music